Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. Hopefully everybody's keeping well this week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's another week here, and, uh, you know, Disney, they announced that theme parks are closed at least through the end of March. I think as time goes on, I think more and more people become aware that that's going to get extended, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, people are, you know, rightfully upset they had to cancel trips. I mean, it's a very you know, uncertain and scary time. But uh, I see a lot of people now at home doing these like, <laughs> like ride videos of just going on YouTube and watching the um, point of view ride videos. And so you can basically go through and experience any Disney theme park in the world that you want. I mean, my mom called me today. and was like, I got to go on Peter Pan again, which I don't know why that's the ride she picks. I was like, mom, go on something better. I don't know how to find those. This one just popped up. Like, you know, oh. I'll have to show her how to do that. But you know, in a, a time like this, it's great to have YouTube because you can just literally ride any ride. Well, my favorite actually is the people trying to recreate the feeling of the ride in their homes. Oh, yeah, that's funny so, too. So, yeah, whenever like Splash Mountain where everybody, I think I saw one where everyone climbed inside a log and the whole family was there and they all put their arms in the air and then somebody threw a bucket of, of water on them. You know, people are making the best of a bad situation and that's kind of how we're going to have to get through this is stay quarantine stay with your families um you know use this as a time to appreciate what you have because we kind of um you know you kind of with the daily grind you forget what is important and even little things can be fun and are a privilege like today you wanted to go over your and see your parents and i wanted to go with you because I just wanted to drive and see outside yeah, and go see your parents. And that's something that, you know, normally I would take for granted and say, oh, I don't really feel like driving over there and wait, doing that 20 minutes. But it was just nice to get out of the house and to see somebody else. So um, and of course, the whole time we were wearing masks and stuff, but um, and staying away. But we had to drop off some groceries. It's like we're in a zombie movie. Whenever you go outside, <laughs> like you feel like you need a hazmat suit out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I know, uh, you know, a lot of people have been talking about the park closures and I think as, as we get further into this, I think we have to, you know, understand the parks could be closed for a long time. I mean, before all of this happened, we actually scheduled a trip over Memorial day weekend. Yeah. We didn't which, even talk about it yet. Yeah. I'm not sure if the parks, I mean, hopefully the parks are open by then, but they may not be. Um, but even if they are, I'm not sure that yeah, I really want to go that yeah, I feel comfortable going positive that we want to do that but i think you know what's interesting is even if the parks do open let's say some sometime in april or early may you know there's already talk of it's not going to necessarily be the same that they may only open um they may open in phases they may be limiting sit-down restaurants to only 50 percent capacity apparently both the disneyland and disney world apps have been updated this week and it now says virtual queues as an option, so Rise of the Resistance uses the virtual queuing, but there's a, a, a spot now on the app that says virtual queues, which leads a lot of people to believe that they're going to move, if not all of the rides, a significant por- a portion to virtual queuing, so you don't have people, especially where you're queued inside. Right. So like Pirates of the Caribbean, where there are a lot of the queues inside, or even uh, Millennium Falcon, a lot of the queues inside, that you'll have a virtual queue for that, so you don't have as many people packed tightly I mean, there's even some talk that they may, if they open back up, they may not have the uh, fireworks shows 
because I mean, at night in the Magic Kingdom, you have ten or twenty thousand people packed as tightly as you can get in there yeah. to see Happily Ever After, and so they may have to not have those shows for an additional time, even if the parks are open. So I think we all kind of need to prepare ourselves for the parks reopening, but not reopening in the full way that we think they are. That's going to yeah. be some additional time before we get maybe full operations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, things are just going to be weird for a while and we're going to have to kind of accept that for now. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I think that most people though aren't going to really complain too much because we're going to be so happy when we're all out of this just to be able to get out of our homes and spend time out in public that um, I think that we'll be willing to accept some of those changes. Yeah, and it's going to push back. It's for our own good. Uh, yeah, true. And it's going to push back a lot of the construction too because, I, I mean, there's there's so much coming up, so many new rides in uh, Walt Disney World. The Avengers Campus was scheduled to open July 18th uh, at Disneyland. I think that's you know pushed back however many months it's closed. It's going to get pushed back that many months. I mean, I, I kind of wonder... Is this going to put some of the um, 50th uh, anniversary celebrations for Walt Disney World that's coming out in 2021, does that put some of that in jeopardy? Do we mm-hmm. get a delayed opening to the Star Wars Hotel or to the Tron Light Cycle Coaster? One, just because of this delay, but two, I mean, Disney's losing a lot of revenue by having all of the, the theaters closed, by having all the theme parks closed that they're probably not going to want to be spending a ton of money to accelerate this or to open up a lot of new rides. I think Universal is going to be the same way. I think they'll, they'll probably finish out what they have already in construction, maybe a little bit slower than expected. But I wouldn't expect a lot of uh, new theme park development. I mean, Universal's building uh, an entirely new theme park down there in Orlando. I think that gets pushed back significantly. They really haven't broken ground on that at all. I think that may get delayed I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that got delayed another year or two, just as they kind of, you know, recoup these losses. And again, it depends on how long this goes. I mean, if it's a month, that's one thing. If this rolls into the summer, if there's lighter crowds, because people aren't going even when it does open, you know, you could see long-term effects of this for the next, you know, five years even potentially. Right. Um, Another thing that's interesting right now is, so because of the lightened crowds, Onward is not doing so well in the theaters. Um, Joe and I happened to sneak out our pretty much the last weekend that we felt comfortable getting out of the house yeah, to see it. It's only been in theaters for a couple weeks. So we saw it the second weekend it was out. But you're right, because all the theaters are shut down now, it's only made about $100 million worldwide. And it's a much better movie than that. Right, right. And it's, I mean, I think it was like a five crier. Like, I, if I had to, <laughs> I had to look. I like how you rank movies, how many times you cry. Yeah, enough. yeah. It was like a five cry. Well, a lot of it hit close to home for me. So it was very, um, it was very emotional and it was very deeply rooted, just like a lot of Pixar movies are, but very deeply rooted in feeling and things like that. So actually, what they're doing to sort of try to mitigate that is they are now, they have it up on demand or not like on demand but for you to rent so you can rent it for 20 bucks right now on your tv and just watch it at home yeah so it's kind of rolling into to disney news so that was kind of the, the one piece of of news this week is like a lot of other studios you know disney is releasing movies that are in theaters digitally now so you're right so onward's going to be it's available now and then it's going to be on disney plus so if you have disney plus you don't have to pay the rental but it's gonna be on disney plus starting april 3rd which is is pretty unprecedented because it's been in the in the theaters three weeks but 
with all the theaters um, shut down now. But yeah, I mean, I think to your point, it's a great movie. Um, It's kind of unfortunate the timing when it came out because it it really, it's, I would imagine this is Pixar's worst uh, box office gross, but in by no means is it their worst movie they've made. It's a really solid movie. It's a really good movie. It's just unfortunate it has the a lot timing of, heart of it. Yeah. In, in it, and uh, like I'm actually getting chills talking about it. it. It was very, very good. So, and it was not what I expected. I mean, it's you know, the the trailers gave a little bit of it away, but it's essentially a Dungeons and Dragons game in oh a movie. Yeah. It, it's such a unique concept, and and leave it up to Pixar. And I kind of joked about this, you know, leave it up to a bunch of animation nerds <laughs> to make a, a full length movie about Dungeons and Dragons. But it really is that, and even if you don't like Dungeons and Dragons or role-playing games. I mean, it's still a great movie, right? There's a lot of heart to it, and there's a great story. But it is just... You will a, get a few more chuckles if you've played yeah, Dungeons and Dragons It's such before. an interesting just concept that's right. never been done before. Uh, and it's really good. And I could see this be, being a sequel. I don't know if that's going to happen now, just because, again, not a lot of people saw it. But hopefully, with Disney+, Plus, it, it gets a push, and it gets a good following, and you know Disney gives another shot for a sequel because I think you could have um, additional movies, you know, yeah. based on this. I mean, if they're making a sequel to Zootopia, which that's the rumor. I mean, this is a very similar kind of world or story where it seems like it's a one-off, but you could very easily have a, a sequel to yeah. it. Yeah, and I, I think that they, it, this this does a nice job. I think Pixar off, oftentimes oscillates between um, the individual and focus on the individual and individual growth versus focus on the family. Um, this onward movie is definitely a movie that focuses on the family and the family ties, which is something and that individual really growth to, I would I'm oh, say it focuses does. on both. It does. But I'm saying like, you know, you think of something like inside out where it's basically focused on Riley and her emotional development. Um, this movie, I mean, of course there is emotional development because that's part of what you need to have a good story. But um, it is a lot about family, and it just has a very strong beating heart to it. Yeah, definitely. So, so go see that. Either rent it now if you'd like, or when it's out on Disney Plus, definitely and, catch that out. And also, in case you missed the notice, which I'm sure you probably didn't, but Frozen Two is also out on Disney Plus, and so is uh, Rise of Skywalker. Those both released early um, as well. So, yeah, be sure to check those out. Uh, and some other pieces of Disney news: it was announced that. Rosario Dawson is going to be in The Mandalorian Season 2. Yes. So, so she's going to be cast in The Mandalorian Season 2. And then we didn't mention this last week, but the uh, newest Jungle Cruise trailer dropped last week. Very interesting. My thoughts are it looks an awful lot like a previous <laughs> Disney movie uh, called Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, down to the undead villain that is chasing <laughs> after them with... You know, this has snakes um, going through him before they were, you know, ghost pirates and there was a ghost monkey. So it's like, uh, you know, you have your your heroes chasing after some lost artifact in a jungle somewhere. <laughs> and then you have an undead group it's of... cursed, I think. <laughs> yeah. And then you have an undead group. And they may even be pirates because, hey, they're on a river. So they're kind of like pirates um, chasing after them. So it's a... It's interesting that they, I mean, seemingly so blatantly copied Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, right. they're both they're both Disney rides. It's a very similar story. So I'm right. I'm interested to see how this turns out. You saw the trailer, and I think you liked it very much. I go seems too much like Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm not sure this this is going to work very well. I I think that 
they will do a good job with it. I, I, this is just a gut feeling. I think the trailer looks riveting. I love, I mean, maybe it's because of our longtime show fan, Dwayne, the rock Johnson being the star. I, mean, I love the rock. Dwayne, I know you're listening. We still love you. I just think I'm not sure. I'm I, not sure yet. I'm thinking the Pirates of the Caribbean fa- franchise, seeing as I'm such a big fan of it, it needed a rebirth. I and think that's what I they think did. That I this think they is said, a good rebirth for it. I think they said, "Hey, we know people like Pirates of the Caribbean, so let's just m- make them think that hey, this is just Pirates of the Caribbean six with uh, the Rock and Emily Blunt in it instead." <laughs> Because it, it is so much the same movie. I do think, though, those two have a great chemistry. There mm-hmm. are a lot of comedic beats in the trailer. So I think that may be the one thing that kind of saves it. But I think the story, it just seems kind of generic. It seems uh, like it's a little outdated for today's movie to to retread a story so similar to something they just did 10, 15 years ago. I'm just hoping it has really brilliant writing that's that's really what i'm i'm counting on um because the end pirates of the caribbean movies didn't so much have that brilliant writing brilliant writing and so yeah, this- I, i'm hoping that this is something more close to that first pirates and even the fourth pirates looks, i like that it looks very much like the first one i yeah. will say that i mean it, it harkens back very much to that first uh pirates movie yeah so i'm um, hopefully it's good i think it i think it will be a good movie but is it seem like it's the most original that it's going to be this you know huge blockbuster that that spans five or six sequels i'm not too sure about that but hopefully hopefully it's good enough leading man because dwayne johnson doesn't age so he would be like 70 and he'll still look like he's 35 That's that's true yeah so we'll uh we'll see but it's a much different tone in this trailer than the first one the first one was kind of you know, making fun of the Jungle Cruise ride, and it made it seem like it was a very much a comedy, and that The Rock's character was kind of like the bumbling boat captain type guy. Whereas this one is much more, "Hey, I'm an action star. I'm very much with it. I know what's going on." And it's almost like they're giving you trailers to two completely different movies, which is yeah, it's just kind of strange. So maybe they did some test screenings, and that first cut didn't go so well, and so they they changed <laughs> it up a little bit. But it'll be interesting to see when that movie comes out. Well, I, I hope that it's maybe a mix of both because I would like to see The Rock play somebody who's a little bumbling for once. All right. So for our, our main topic this week of the show, what I thought would be interesting to do would talk a little bit about the history of Circle Vision. So you're probably familiar with Circle Vision if you've ever been to Epcot with the O Canada film or Reflections of China. And so I was kind of aware of it there, but watching the Imagineering story on Disney+, Plus which is a great documentary. So if you're home and have nothing to do, <laughs> you, can, you can watch that or even rewatch it because I'm sure there's there's stuff you would miss. But they kind of showed the creation of that because it was actually invented by uh, Dawn at Ub Iwerks. And it was like a really interesting contraption. So it kind of got me thinking about, oh, I didn't realize that this was something, you know, proprietary invented by Disney and kind of, you know, what's the history of it. Um, so thanks to our, you know, crack research team here on the podcast, <laughs> you know, kind of kind of dug into this a little bit. And I thought it'd be interesting just to kind of talk some more of the backstory on Circle Vision. Because yeah, I, I think we've talked about this in, you know, as we've gone through the, the different decades of the Disney company that, you know, Walt was a visionary and the Walt Disney Company, especially in the early years, really pioneered a lot of things. So the mul- the multiplane camera for animation, which gave that parallax effect to the background. Mm-hmm. 
he was the first one to do synchronized sound. Um, And, you know, he really pushed movie theaters to get uh, like surround sound and everything like that. So, yeah, he's the first one that had the mate, like the color and cartoon, um, you know, what am I trying to say? Um, he's the first one who had a color cartoon, yeah, right? Yeah, in a yeah, color, yeah. He had he had he had color films. He he was one of the early again pioneers of just sound in films yeah. and, and synchronized injecting sound. that, yeah, yeah. with in, to go with the the cartoon, right? Because a lot of the cartoons they had sound, but it was just sound that was played over the cartoon. It, it didn't sync up. It didn't necessarily um, help tell the story. And he said, no, we need to synchronize this so it's it's consistent each time. You know, the the sound effects match up to what's on screen and it helps propel the story. So, you know, he's he was constantly pushing the medium. You know, he was an early um, an early proponent of television. And so he's he just he was really ahead of the game on a lot of stuff. And even with theme parks and imagineering and, and audio animatronics and things like that. So, you know, Circle Vision is just another example of that. And he kind of got the idea. There was something called Cinerama, which I'm not sure if um, any of these are still open. But on when I googled Cinerama, there actually was um, a it listed a couple movie theaters in the U.S. that were still around. Like there was actually one uh, in Seattle that Paul Allen, uh, who was a uh, original founder of Microsoft, he purchased in like the late '90s, early 2000s, and refurbished it. So I'm not sure if it's still open today. But so there may be some of these these theaters around, but essentially what they were is it was three giant screens that projected three uh, 35 millimeter um, projectors on them. So it was a much uh, larger view. It wasn't quite 180 degree viewing. I think it was around like 140 degree viewing. Mm-hmm. So if you think of like a normal movie theater screen, it was it was more, um, you know, it was kind of it spread to the left and the right more. So it, it kind of helped uh, envelop you a little bit more. And this actually came out in the early 1950s. And so Walt, I think, kind of saw this and Don and Ub Iwerks, and they were very interested in it, and they wanted to do something similar for Disneyland. But what they did is they created something that was a circle. So the, the films went all around the guests. So wouldn't it be interesting if they put the circle division together with Omnimax and then you had a complete everything around you, the ceiling and the walls? Like a dome. Yeah, like a, it creates yeah, kind a of complete like, dome. Kind of like Omnimax. Yeah, but yeah, completely around you. Almost like how planetariums do. Right, right. Yeah, this is a, it's a very similar kind of thought or it's a very similar idea to like a planetarium right. where it's completely around you. So how it actually works is there's nine different screens that go around you in a circle. So there's nine different projectors. And so that's how they create a, it's not a hundred percent seamless because there's some spaces in, in between the screens, but that's how they create the 360 degree film, yeah. which, which is pretty amazing. But if you think about it, you have to film that. So like, you know, today we have a lot of uh, cameras and, and rigs that can help film 360 degree footage mm-hmm. now but if you think about this in the 1950s they didn't have yeah. that so what's amazing is uh dawn and ub iWorks created this rig that had six cameras on it and if you watch the imagine or nine cameras i'm sorry if you watch the imagineering story they actually show some footage of them testing this out and they 
linked it all up with like bike chains yeah. so that that way they would be filming in unison and they would put this on top of a car and drive around and film. And then that way they would have the footage from the nine different cameras all sunk up that they would then project on the different screens. So just the engineering marvel to kind of come up with that and mm-hmm. to think of this uh, in a time when like TV and film and those like those type of cameras were new, like they were small enough to, you know, uh, do this with, but to, to hook them all up so that they would all work together. It was pretty amazing. So before we go any further, I just wanted to take a second to say who Dawn and Ub Iwerks are. So Ub Iwerks was one of the originals. Uh, he started with Walt. Yeah, we've talked he- about him before in some previous episodes right Right. and so he helped to conceive of mickey mouse like he was actually you know one of the people who helped to create mickey mouse and so he was one of the major animators and then don is his son and don was uh an he was an imagineer so imagine i'm not sure if don still works for the company um but yeah he he kind of became a a legendary you know disney legend in his own right as well for inventing things like this yeah and, and some of the other you know ride contraptions but yeah, so it's pretty amazing to think about that, uh, of how they did it. And the first um, one that they used this for was at Disneyland in 1955, the America the Beautiful. Okay, so they actually got in a car and went and filmed places like Times Square, the Golden Great Gate Bridge. Yeah, and like Cape Canaveral and the Hoover right. Dam. Right. So it was, it was kind of, it was almost like soaring, if you will. Like how you know soar, they have now soaring, soaring, uh, soaring uh, across the the globe, and they do different um, landmarks. It was kind of the same thing for America. They kind of just went you know across the country, mm-hmm. filming this, make and making this. And so this was in Tomorrowland in Disneyland, and you know it it ran there until the '90s. And actually, the uh, spot where it is where it was is actually where Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters is. <laughs> so it was in there. But then in the same way, Disney, uh, you know, popular attractions, they send all the other theme parks. They did the same thing with Circle Vision. So the America the Beautiful um, show was in the Magic Kingdom, which that ran from uh, that, that ran that started in the 70s. Um, they also had Magic Carpet around the world, which was hmm. uh, which was a similar idea, but it was just kind of um just locations around the world. Okay, so like Soren. Yeah, kind of, kind of like that. Yeah, you know that ran there for a little bit. Then they had American Journeys in the '80s and '90s, and then the final show they had there was The Timekeeper, which I think was. Ooh, the time. I think that was more like throughout time because they had they depicted the Ice Age. They actually used footage from some of the previous shows to depict some of that. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say they used actual footage from the Ice yes. Age. <laughs> they built a time the mammoths. <laughs> the mammoths were fil- filming it. Actually. I really buried the lead on this show. Actually, um, in the in the nineties, <laughs> Disney invented a time machine to go back and film um, a a very you know unique Circle Vision where they saw the dinosaurs and they did the Ice Age and everything like that. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I didn't think it was that important then <laughs> I thought, you know, syncing up nine cameras to build a 360 uh, degree projection show was just, that's really the money, right? That's there. what the listeners wanted. They don't really care about time travel. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's, who cares about that? Mm. So, <laughs> but you, you got it, <laughs> but the timekeeper, so that ran until uh, 2006 and then that building is actually the monsters Inc laugh floor. So that that's where that was in Tomorrowland. So I never knew where some of this stuff was. 
they had Circle Vision in Tokyo Disneyland as well. That closed in in 2002 in Tomorrowland. And so really the the only Circle Vision shows that we have around today are in Epcot where we have O Canada, which they just redid to Canada Far and Wide, voiced by my boy Eugene Levy and my girl Catherine O'Hare from Shit's Creek. If you haven't watched it, you need to get on that because you have you probably have some extra time right now and it's an amazing feel good show and it's on Netflix right now but yeah it's it's from the the C, the CBC Canadian Broadcasting Channel so it's it's amazing i haven't seen the latest season yet but it's amazing and the other show is the wonders of china in the china pavilion which they are uh, currently updating as well so we're waiting for the the new video there and they're actually going to use the new seamless circle vision so everything will be more integrated and there won't be any like breaks so yeah. it'll be really um it'll be really, really nicely polished right and so that that is now instead of having exactly like what you said instead of having the nine separate screens it's one continuous screen and they've actually demonstrated this technology if you've been to epcot lately at the the epcot preview center mm-hmm. where they're showing the, the preview of what the park's going to look like once all of the construction is complete and you know the, the half the park that's gone <laughs> comes back but it's gonna it's a seamless um, circle vision so they're taking it even to the next level and then yeah that's what the the new wonders of China um, show is going to be so it, it'll be really interesting to see and it's just kind of it's amazing how you know a uh, technology that is, 60 or 70 years old is still going strong today and they're still updating it yeah they're still improving on it that you know now it's possible to make it seamless which i think will just be amazing Mm -hmm. to be there because you know what's so incredible is when you're watching these videos you can you get a different perspective you know every time you see it yeah because you can you can turn around and there's always (laughs) something different going on and and one of the things is unless you've mastered the ability to have eyes on all sides of your head yeah, so. if you just turn really, really quickly, you, <laughs> you may be able spit. to see it all. If you're a ballet dancer and you can you just could do that. turn around. Yeah. I was thinking you get really dizzy, but you're right. If you're a ballet dancer, except for they have okay. to they have to spin their necks around so that they don't get dizzy. That's true, but that's how you see everything. That's true. That's how that's how you see it all. Got it. Um, all right. I just found I just found the um You gotta practice on that. Yeah, you gotta yeah. practice that. You gotta find the way. But what's interesting is if you think about this, you know, one of the struggles with filming this way is when you, when you film a movie, you're only ever filming right in front of you. So who cares what it looks like behind you, to the left, oh, to the right of you? True. So if you're out you know, trying to film uh, a beautiful meadow, but behind you is an industrial park, <laughs> and you're filming a movie, you don't care. But when you're filming in 360-degree circle yeah. vision, um, if you have you know, a water treatment facility behind you or something, or a, you know, a landfill... You can't film there. And so it it becomes much more difficult to find locations that work. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Wow. I didn't even think about that. That would be hard. Yeah. So it it just adds a a unique... Uh, level to yeah unique challenge to it so it's it's, it is just amazing like when you think about some of this stuff i mean somebody that loves kind of like the theme parks and everything when you really think about what has to go in to all of this stuff Mm -hmm. it's fascinating yeah it's incredible like we were we were watching a youtube video the other day about how rise of the resistance works and they mentioned you know there's five million lines of code that make that ride run um which you know it, it it 
it's no wonder that sometimes it goes down because when you're dealing with 5 million lines of mm-hmm. code, one little thing goes wrong, it's going to be hard to figure that out. That's why these things take so long to build. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, you know, a technological issue. But even with this, it's just a logistics issue. I mean, you have this technology, it works really well, but fi- you know, it maybe takes you, it maybe takes you twice as long to find the right locations because it has to be beautiful around you everywhere you look, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can't have crew behind you. You can't have, you know, crew on either sides of you. You're driving in a car, you're underneath it and everything around you has to look perfect. Yeah. Wow. All right. So I think that that wraps up the show for this week. I want to thank everybody uh, again for listening again. uh, Hopefully everybody's, you know, staying safe out there. Uh, We'll, we'll get through this together. We'll, we'll be back here with another episode next Monday. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us, leave us a rating or a review. This is actually a perfect time to leave us a rating or review because, I mean, come on, we have extra extra time. Um, those really do help. Definitely. Uh, and you can also uh, head over if you want to check out our Patreon. We have some uh, Patreon-exclusive episodes up and content over there if you'd like to support us that way. Yeah, we actually just recorded another Patreon-only episode about our experience at The Void doing the... Avengers Damage Control. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's it, up there right now, so be sure to so I think check have, that out. We have several episodes up there now for anybody who wants a little bit of extra content to just hear us kind of in a little bit almost more informal situation just talk about that but yeah so thank you so much for lending us your ears yeah thanks everybody uh have a great week we'll see you here next monday Bye.